Now, last week we launched a new series, The Naturally Supernatural, and Melina launched it off with a powerful message on hearing the voice of the Father. She was speaking about how the supernatural starts with walking with God and capturing the Father heart of God. And I can hear from the camp as well that you've been doing some of the same stuff. So it's exciting. I hope that it really gets deep on the inside of us and we're transformed and we never be the same again. When we get a revelation of the Father's love, the natural or the nature of love is to give. So automatically, the next step is sharing the Father's heart with other people. And that is what my message is all about today, sharing the Father's heart with others. How do we do that in a supernatural way that's powerful and relevant but not super weird, okay? When we look at the book of Acts, it's amazing to see how the early church, their Christian walk was, their their expression of the Christian walk was so closely knitted with the Holy Spirit. And it would actually be a good book to read. I would encourage you um, during this time when we're Uh, learning the Naturally Supernatural series to read the book of Acts. And one of the things you could do is underline or highlight every place where the Holy Spirit is mentioned because you'll find that he's a part of everything that goes on. And actually, none of us were called to walk our Christian life without the Holy Spirit. He should be a very key part of our daily lives. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, It's good for you that I go away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. I'm sure when the disciples heard that Jesus was going back to the Father, they were very disturbed because they're like, how are we supposed to live the Christian life without you? You're the one showing us how to do this. We don't know how to do it without you. And they were panicking. And Jesus said, guys, this is good for you. I'm one, just one person who can be at one place at one time. When I go to the Father, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the amazing thing about him, the third person of the Godhead, He comes to dwell inside each one of us as believers. So he's present here today in our midst, and he's in China as well, and South America, and he's all over the world doing amazing things because that's who he is, and that's what he does. So today, it's very appropriate for us to speak about gifts because it's Mother's Day, and we're celebrating the gift of mothers. So we're going to be looking at the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And... um, They're found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're looking at these gifts specifically. They're not the only gifts that there are in the Bible, but they're called the manifestation gifts. And you'll find out just in a moment why it's important for us to learn about these gifts. The Holy Spirit himself is invisible. You can't see him with the naked eye, but he's real. He's a person. He's God. And his presence within us as believers is manifested through the operation of these gifts that we'll be looking at. The word manifest, so these gifts are called manifestation gifts. 
and other people also refer to them as the charismatic gifts. But there, another word for the word manifest is to be clear, to be obvious. So the Holy Spirit is invisible, but when he comes to dwell inside of you, it becomes clear to the world. It becomes obvious that God is inside of you. Some of the other words that are used for manifest, um, reveal, express, display God. And some of the words used in connection, it's undeniable, noticeable, visible. Imagine if the Holy Spirit was let loose in this place and every one of us let him have his way. And it became known, not only in Dindola, but beyond the borders, that there's a church in Indola where God is undeniable. He's visible. He's noticeable. You just know that God is real when you go in that place. That is why we're doing this series, Naturally Supernatural, because we want to dig deeper and go further with the Holy Spirit. We want to get to that place the Holy Spirit is longing to bring us where we're walking with him hand in hand and experiencing the supernatural naturally on a daily basis. Now, these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we'll be looking at, they're gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. The Holy Spirit is the administrator of these gifts, and he can give any one of these manifestations through any believer at any time. So when you're a believer, you qualify. These gifts that we look at, the Holy Spirit can choose to use them through you any time, any place, when you make yourself available to him to be used by him. The key thing that we need to understand about these gifts are that they're supernatural. They are gifts that the Holy Spirit administers through us. So it's just like um, a light. A light only works when it's plugged into the source. So when the gift needs to operate in your life, it can only operate when you're connected, plugged into the source. When the Holy Spirit imparts something supernatural in your heart, that you give on. So it's not something that you do in your own strength or in your own mind. It is supernatural. The word gift, when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that word gift is the Greek word charis, and it means grace. It means that these gifts are free. You don't pay for them. Their unmerited favor of God towards the undeserving. So you don't have to go to seminary. You don't need to get a diploma or a degree before you start operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As soon as you get born again, as soon as the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you, you qualify. Okay? So it's not about character. And it's not because character is not important to God. It is very important. But today we're looking at charisma. We're looking at the uh, the gifts, okay? And they don't require you to have gone through Bible school before you operate. They require faith, believe in the Holy Spirit, simple faith, and acting out as the Holy Spirit gives you. Right. For us to understand these gifts very well, we're going to divide them in three different groups. And the first group we're looking at is the gifts that reveal. Okay, so they're revelation gifts. And we're putting the gifts in three groups of three. The first group is revelation gifts. They reveal. The first one 
is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. It's a tiny portion of God's total wisdom that's supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit. The thing that you can tell about wisdom is that most often it's very directive, okay? I want to give you an example in the Bible. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus was being followed by a large crowd of people who wanted to hear him teach. And so he asked Simon, can I sit in your boat? And we go just a little bit from the shore, and then he taught from the boat. And when he finished teaching, it's probably midday or afternoon, he turns to Simon and says, right, Simon, let's go into the deep and let your nets down and catch some fish. Now, Simon's a fisherman, okay? He knows all about fishing. Jesus is not a fisherman. And when Jesus said this to Simon, I'm sure Simon thought, oh dear. (laughs) And he told Jesus, he said, you know, we've been fishing all night and we didn't catch anything. Nevertheless, because you tell me to do it, I will do it. And they set out the boat in the middle of the day into deep water, let the nets down, and there was such a massive catch that Simon had to call another boat to come and help with all the fish. So this was a word of of wisdom that Jesus received from the Holy Spirit and said, right, right now, do this. There's a massive amount of fish out there, and they caught them. The result of this gift being at work in his life was conviction. Simon was convicted. So there's always good fruit as a result of the gifts. We have a friend, Clinton, who was visiting us a few weeks ago, and he's a missionary in Solwazi, and he had to make a big decision in his life. He'd actually made the decision, but he didn't know if it was the right thing he'd done or not, and he was traveling down to Cape Town. When he was in Cape Town, a 92-year-old woman phoned him up and said, God wants to tell you that the decision you made was the right decision. That's all she said. A very brief word, but directive and clear. When our friend came back from South Africa and spent a night with us on his way back to Solwazi, his heart, the burden had so lifted and he was so full of joy because he had got direction from God. Yes, what you did was the right thing. This is what a word of wisdom can do. Let's move on to the second word. The, the second gift here in the Revelation gifts it's the, it re, that reveals... And it's a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is often informative, okay? So that's the difference that you can see between a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. It gives information, and it's a tiny bit of God's amazing knowledge that's imparted by the Holy Spirit. Many of you know the story in John 4 where Jesus met with a Samaritan woman, and he was talking to her, and he said to her, Why don't you go and get your husband and come back here? And the woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, what you've said is true. Because you've had five husbands. And the one you're living with right now is not your husband. Now, Jesus didn't say this to condemn her. But what happened? It brought conviction in her life, and she said, surely you must be the Messiah. She went and called her friends and everybody in the town, and they came back out, and as a result, many people came to faith that day. 
So the word of knowledge, the fruit of this, is brings conviction, confirmation in our lives. The third one in our revealing gifts, gifts of revelation, is discerning of spirits. Discern is to recognize or distinguish between. And discernment is a form of direct perception compared to knowledge, which is more like an impartation of effect. Okay, something that we perceive. It can come as a picture or a vision, but it often comes as a spiritual interpretation of what your normal senses feel, okay? There are different spirits out there, and it's important for us to know which spirit it is that's operating so that we can either receive or reject, yeah? So we've got the Holy Spirit. It's good for us to know if it's the Holy Spirit that's operating. It could be angelic. It could be demonic, or it could even be a human spirit that's at work. And we need the Holy Spirit's supernatural gift to be able to discern what spirit we're dealing with. One cool example is in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus, there was a man brought to Jesus, and this man was dumb. Now, Jesus has prayed for a lot of sick people, brought a lot of healing and miracles. When this dumb man was brought to him, the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus, this is not a miracle we need here. This is a dumb spirit that needs to be kicked out. So instead of praying for healing for the dumb man, Jesus just told the demon to get out, and the man started talking. That's the power of the discerning of spirits. All of these gifts are so amazing when we can begin to start flowing in them because the result is people's lives are transformed and changed and God is glorified. Let's move on to the next group. We've looked at the three gifts that reveal and now we go on to the second group, the power group, power gifts. Now, I didn't even find my discerning. This was my discerning of spirits gift here. So this is our first group of gifts that reveal. Now we're going on to look at the power gifts. And the power gifts are the ones that do. They do something. And the first one that we have is the gift of faith. Now the gift of faith, in the Bible, in the New Testament, you generally find three types of faith that are spoken about. There's the faith that comes by hearing the word. That is the faith that we need to become saved. And it, the Bible says that God has given a measure of faith to each one of us, okay? That's one type of faith. That's not the type of faith we're talking about today. There's another, another faith that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it's something that's cultivated and developed over time in our life. That's not the kind of faith we're talking about. We're talking specifically about the power gift of faith. And this one is a miraculous faith. That's a special gift, a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the kind of faith that moves mountains. And we need to see that in the body of Christ more and more. One example that we have in the Bible is Mark chapter 4 where Jesus is asleep in the boat after a long day and he's exhausted. They're in a boat with the disciples and they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And it's dark and there's a big storm coming and the waves. And 
in the end, this big storm and their little boat is all over the place and Jesus is still sleeping. But now, by now, the disciples are in a panic and they think they're going to die. So they go and wake Jesus and say, Jesus, <laughs> we're about to capsize. And what does Jesus do? He gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, quiet, be still. And the Bible records that as soon as he said that, the wind died down and it was completely calm. Can you imagine that if you'd been in that boat? I don't know how many of you have been in a storm in a boat, but it's not a pleasant feeling. And for it to go from that straight to calm when Jesus spoke, that was a word of faith supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, we hear of a lady by the name of Dorcas. And she's also known as Tabitha, and she was known for her good work. She did a lot of good things for the poor people. But she got sick, and the Bible says she died. And the people were grieving, and they heard that Peter was passing by nearby. So they went and called him and said, Peter, please come. Dorcas has died. We don't know what to do. Everyone's in mourning. And Peter shows up, comes into the room where the dead woman is lying, and he tells everybody to go out of the room. Peter gets on his knees and starts praying. And then he stands up, and he speaks a word to Dorcas. He says, Dorcas, get up. And she rose up from the dead. That's the gift of faith operating through him, okay? It's a supernatural faith that came into his heart at that moment, and he knew when I command this dead woman to rise, she will. There was no interceding and sweating and praying for days. Sometimes that's necessary. But in this case, all he did was, Tabitha, get up. That's all that was required. And what was the result? This woman was restored to the people again. There was great joy in the city. And as a result, many people came to faith. And many other people came and were healed. So again, it brings glory to God when these gifts are in operation. Our second gift in the power group, the gift of healing. Now, a healing relieves the body of disease. And it's often imperceptible and may be gradual. Okay? Sometimes when we pray for someone for healing and we don't see some immediate um, improvement, we think God hasn't heard. But actually, when you study the gifts of healings in the Bible and you see how God operates, many times the healing actually takes place, but you can't always see it very clearly, and it's often gradual. Okay? So don't give up if you pray and you don't see an immediate um, improvement. An example in the Bible is in Acts chapter 28 when Paul was on the island of Patmos. He'd been ship shipwrecked and um, the chief officer of the island, his name was Publius, he had a father who was very sick with fever and dysentery. And back in the days of Peter and Paul, they weren't good doctors as we have today and lots of medicines. I think dysentery and fever was kind of like when you got HIV or something, or even worse, because they didn't have a cure necessarily. You're sick and you're about to die. 
But Paul went and prayed for him, and as a result, this guy got well, the fever went away, and his diarrhea went away, and he got strong. And as a result, the people in the whole island saw what God had done through Paul. Then they brought all the sick to him. And as a result, the whole island was transformed by the power of God through Paul because he prayed for that one man. And God worked through, um, through him. My brother David in Denmark, he's my older brother, He's been bedridden for a number of months now with a terrible back injury. And it, hasn't, it, it, it wasn't getting better for a long time. So in the end, he had to go for an operation. He went in for that operation. When he came back, we were all excitedly waiting to hear how much he'd improved. And sadly, the result of the operation was that he was not better. He was still bedridden, and he was on the strongest medication possible for him to be able to even cope with the pain. Finally, they decided, the doctors decided to take him in for a second operation. He went in for that operation, and when he came back, this time we'd been praying, and God, God, let, let there be an improvement. He came back from the second operation, and we got the sad news that there was no improvement. Wow. Does this mean another third operation? And by now we're like, do the doctors even know what they're doing? And what now? And we intensified prayer in the whole family, both here and elsewhere where our family is spread in the world. My parents went, who are in Denmark at the moment, went and laid hands on him and prayed for him. The following day, we received a message. My brother said, I am so excited. The pain is much less. This is a gift of healing, okay, because there's an improvement. And every day, we got a message last night as well, he's even better, he's continuing to improve. So, we thank God. Dale and I are going to Denmark in a couple of weeks' time, and we hope by then that we'll see him up and around. We look forward to seeing him back on his bicycle. He's an active guy, so we don't like to hear about him being in bed. But this is an this is a example of the gift of healing. It's often gradual, sometimes imperceptible, and gradual. Then we go on to the third gift that we have here in the power gifts, and that's the gift of miracles. Now, the gift of miracles. A miracle produces a change that goes beyond healing. Usually it's perceptive, and instantaneous. When you look at the, the, the Greek word for the, for the word uh, miracle, it's actually the word dunamis, which means power. So it's a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Now, an example in the Bible is in John chapter 2. This is not about healing, but it's nevertheless a miracle. In John chapter 2, Jesus is at a wedding, and they've run out of wine. So Jesus tells him to bring these containers filled with water. And Jesus does an amazing miracle of turning water into wine. So that's a complete miracle, okay? Because it's instantaneous. The water turns to wine. 
the taste, the smell, everything has changed instantaneously. This is a miracle. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Another good example in Acts chapter 3 is Peter and John who are on their way to the temple in Jerusalem. And they come through the gate beautiful, and there's a lame man sitting there, and he's been sitting there for years, and he's begging. And Peter and John, when they see him begging, they say, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that he did that, and instantly he was healed. And the Bible says he was so excited, he was dancing and jumping and praising God in the temple courts. And as a result, God's name was glorified. Can you see the work, the the power of these amazing gifts as they are at work. And the Holy Spirit wants to work through each one of us as believers using these different gifts to make himself known and visible to the world around us. We're going to move on to the last group, the inspirational gifts. And they are the gifts that say something. The first group, reveal. The second group, they do something. And this third group of gifts, they say something. The first one is tongues. Tongues is speaking in a language that the Holy Spirit supernaturally gives you that you don't understand. Now, when you have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you also receive this gift as evidence that the Holy Spirit lives within us. And that's what our Bible teaches us, that when we receive the Holy Spirit, the infilling, we receive tongues. Now, this gift of tongues that we receive as individuals, is a bit different from this gift of tongues because this gift of tongues is used specially in ministry to other people. Um, The gift of tongues that we receive individually is often used in our prayer language to strengthen our prayer with God, to be able to um, communicate with God through that gift. But this one is to minister to other people. It's actually speaking of different kinds of purposes as opposed to many different kinds of tongues. Not different languages, but different purposes of the tongue. Right, and this gift actually doesn't really make sense without combining it with the second gift in this group that are saying, because... If, a, if, if somebody operates in the gift of tongues, none of us understand what they're saying, yeah? Now, if it's supposed to minister to us people, it needs to be interpreted. And that's what the second gift is. It's the interpretation of tongues. And it's the ability given by the Spirit of God to interpret the meaning of the words previously, previously spoken in an unknown language. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are translating word for word but it could be the sense of what is being spoken. So God wants to talk to his people, and this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to his people through tongues and interpretation of tongues, and these are supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit. Of these nine gifts that we're looking at, these are the two 
that are never found in the Old Testament. They actually came as part of this new dispensation of the church where the Holy Spirit dwells among us and lives in us as believers. It's evidence that he is real and he is there. I have found often that this, both speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, it often helps me when I'm ministering to people. If I have to pray for someone and I don't know who they are and I don't know what their problem is, often I just pray in tongues. And I begin sensing the Holy Spirit either directing me in the way I'm speaking in tongues. Sometimes I feel that he's giving me an interpretation of what I'm, of what I'm praying. And then I get something specific for that person that I'm praying for. God can use this gift in many different ways, either as I've explained to you now or in a public gathering where Holy Spirit wants to speak. The third gift and final gift is the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy has three primary purposes. To strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. To strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. How many of us need strengthening, comforting, and encouragement in life? Yeah, we can all do with some. And prophecy actually overcomes two of Satan's most common attacks, which is condemnation and discouragement. I don't think any of us have walked through life without sensing at some time discouragement and condemnation. And the gift of prophecy is so powerful because people need constant encouragement, constant strengthening for us to continue the walk that we've been called to walk. So Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's actually called the comforter. And an important thing to know about him, him is that he never condemns and he never discourages. He's the opposite of that. It's the enemy who does that, but the Holy Spirit is a comforter. I want to take you back to the story that Sylvester shared, the testimony he shared just before we, I started, how he had a word on his heart for the toilet man. He'd seen him many times before, but maybe never noticed him really. But that day, Holy Spirit supernaturally imparted a word of a prophetic word for him to give, a word of encouragement to give to that toilet man. And as a result, he gave his life to the Lord, a man who'd given up on life and who was so discouraged and so disappointed. But new hope came in. He was strengthened. He was encouraged. He was revived, and he gave his heart to the Lord. How beautiful a testimony. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So God wants us to desire, to eagerly desire, to passionately pursue the gifts of the Spirit in our life. But he says especially the gift of prophecy because it's such an important thing. We need to flow in it on a regular basis, not just when we're in church, but wherever you are, in your workplace or in your schools, wherever you are, God can speak to you just like he did through Sylvester to the toilet man. It also says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So God wants us to have a hunger in our hearts for these gifts to be manifested through our lives because as they do, 
As they do, God's glory is made known and lives are transformed. Last week, we were believing God to speak to us personally through the message after we heard the message Melina shared. And we want to encourage you to continue that journey. Don't just do it last Sunday, and I hear you were doing some of it at camp, which is great. Continue that journey, hearing from him, journaling, and growing in learning to hear the voice of the Father. 